Hello you wonderful lots. I hope you are keeping well no matter where you find yourself in the world. It always astounds me when I check the stats on this podcast just how many of you are listening here in the UK and of course further afield. It's great to see how these inspirational stories are being spread across the world and hopefully helping you feel a little bit more positive in your military life. Last week, I felt especially honoured to talk to the International Military Spouse Virtual Employment Summit, showcasing military spouses, partners and other halves in business and learning a lot from our other armed forces partners from across the globe. It really was such a wonderful event and it did highlight the challenges, but in equal measure, the amazing people from our own community that are stepping up to support us all. I've come away with a new sense that our voices really are being heard on a global stage and a new hope that military families will now be part of the ongoing conversation, something we can all work towards in our own way. A charity that's always known how important military families are is, of course, the RBL, who are sponsoring this series. The Royal British Legion know that families are the most important support structure within the serving community. But time spent apart during exercises and operations has its challenges and can be a strain on any relationship. As the UK's largest armed forces charity, the RBL works with its partners to support us when we need that little bit of support ourselves. They are here for us 365 days a year, even if it's just for a phone call to talk to a friendly voice. Head over to rbl.org.uk for more information. We all know how busy military life can be, but I've always been keen to know what life is like when both partners are serving, which is why today's interview is with Group Captain Toria McFadden. Toria is a station commander at RAF Northolt and is also married to a serving officer. In this interview, we talk about how that works and if life as a female officer is any different to the boys. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Independent Spouse. Toria, a huge thank you for joining me today and taking time out to talk to me. Please, could you start off by doing a little introduction to who you are and what you do? Absolutely, of course. It's a real pleasure to join you, Jess. So I am a group captain in the Royal Air Force and we're currently based at RAF Northolt, where I am the station commander and living here with my family, my husband, who's also in the Air Force, and our two little girls. And you're station commander of a, gosh, a big and very important operational airbase, which sounds like a very big job. Could you explain your kind of standard day and what you get up to? Oh, goodness. Yes. Well, I suppose it's a bit of a um, a cliche, but there isn't really a standard day. But my job, in essence, is to run the airport that is RAF Northolt. And we do lots of different things at RAF Northolt. So we are the RAF's main operating base within London. So we're inside the M25 and we have both helicopters and fixed wing aircraft, lots of military aircraft flying out of North Holt and also commercial aircraft and the London Air Ambulance and then a whole load of non-flying things. So we're really lucky to have two of the RAF bands at North Holt and the Queen's Colour Squadron, who are sort of the soldiers of the Air Force, and they do all our ceremonial stuff in London, and 35 different units. So my job is kind of running all of that and making sure that the base works, basically. And everybody based there, you are their boss? In Manson's, yes. 
what is the favourite part of that job? Because it's got so many different bits and it's so varied. But what would you say was the favourite bit? My favourite bit is not being behind my desk. So I think there are so many times in our careers, whatever we're doing, where you end up answering emails all day long. And actually, the great thing about my current job is that I have to be out and about and talking to people and finding out how their life's going and their day is going, which means that some days are a little bit like Challenge Annika from the 1980s. And I feel like I'm trotting the whole time to catch up with my diary. But it's really nice to be out and trying to do things to make a difference to our community and our people at Northolt. And I want to talk about the community and the people because this podcast goes out to a lot of serving personnel's partners and spouses and they're the general audience. So I want to touch on the families that you've mentioned and your community. We all know how bonkers military life can be, but we all know that our families are really important and that's why we support our serving partner and that's why they look after us. How important do you think the partners of serving personnel are to the effectiveness of the armed forces? Critical, I would say. So I guess I have a slightly different position in that I am a one of the commanders, but also just like everybody else, you know, we are a military family living that same sort of juggle as everybody else. And there's no way that either Rich or I could do our jobs properly without the support of the other. And I know that's true for everybody who works for me and their families. And so the community aspect and supporting our families to be able to thrive is really important to making the efforts work. And you mentioned there, because your husband's called Rich, he's also serving, which for any of us who have even got one serving person in our family knows how absolutely bonkers military life is. Even with one of us that doesn't have to leave the country with 10 minutes notice or move house with short notice, it is crazy. Armed forces life can be so uncertain. There are two of you both serving. How does that work? And do you have any tips for the rest of us? Well, the first thing to say is that we don't know any different. (laughs) So we met when we joined the Air Force. So I guess we only know our reality. And ultimately, I think in today's life, all your listeners will appreciate that it doesn't really matter who you're working for. Everybody's got, you know, they're juggling jobs, they're juggling family, they're juggling kids or caring for older parents. In that respect, we're no different. There is a challenge in terms of two different posting cycles and moving jobs here, both of us independently every couple of years. And I think it's changed me in that I certainly grew up being a planner and wanting to know what my five-year plan was and my 10-year plan was. And I don't bother with that anymore. We work about 12 hours ahead and that kind of helps. But I don't try to second guess what each of our next moves might be because it would never work. And somehow we kind of stumble through okay, I think. In some respects, I don't think we're any different to anybody else, regardless of job. You know, two working parents and it's busy, isn't it? But actually working for the same employer also has its benefits, you know, so that we both work for the Royal Air Force and there is there some understanding, A, from each of us about each of our jobs, because we get to see a bit of an inside track on that, I guess. But also from the Air Force's perspective, they do try to be as understanding and supportive as they can. And, and we definitely benefited from that at you know, different points in our careers. Which is good to hear. And also acronyms, you don't have to explain acronyms to each other, which must be lovely. Oh, yes. Well, you'd think, although, you know, he's air crew and I'm not. So half the time we are talking a different language. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's good to hear because that also happens in our marriage. There is <laughs> different languages, but alas, we are still double guessing each other's career paths. And maybe that's the tip I need to take away that military life is extremes and it is exciting, but um, also so unpredictable. Dynamic. Yeah. But exciting. So I want to talk about your husband. We don't normally do this on this podcast series because in all honesty, as a military partner, it's a little bit boring talking about my husband's job. It seems to be the topic of conversations for lots of my friends and my family. But this time we're going to focus on it because you are, as I said, both serving. So therefore you're both serving partners. You're both officers in the RAF. Do you find that there's an assumption in both the military community or the civilian community that he is the only one serving because of the gender difference, because you are female and, and Rich is a man, or even the, that he might be higher up the chain of command than you? So interestingly, I don't find that at all within the military, and I never have, but we do find it around some circles in our civilian life. And I think particularly in my current job, so I've been doing my current job for three or four months now, and I think the very traditional view of an RAF station commander would always be accompanied by the wife, because it was always the wife. And whenever I get invited to official events, we have to go through with sort of certain demographics, the conversation that actually I'm the social commander and not him. Or if he's not there, the reason he's not there is because he's picking the kids up from swimming or, you know, living a life or at work. And so we don't find it at all within the military, but outside the military, we do come across it, not all the time, but I've sort of noticed it a bit more in this job than perhaps before. Do you think it's getting better? Yes, I think it is getting better. I think there's probably a, an assumption from the older generation. You know, I think that will die out. And actually, I feel like it's kind of up to me to be out there and to prove that it's doable. Yeah, that you're doing it and you're rocking it. And you have a supportive husband who could be there when you need him. But equally, you could rock it by yourself. Yeah. So a bit of a strange question. Emails. How many emails a day do you get referring to you as a sir? Oh, actually, really reassuringly now, none. I mean, very, very, very rarely. But again, when I joined the Air Force, you know, nearly 20 years ago, that would happen more frequently. And it might be now that our whole email address, you need to know who somebody is in the military now to be able to email them. And we used to have, you would email a job title. So that perhaps would bring an assumption, whereas now somebody needs to know who I am before they can email me. I think maybe that's helped. So it does happen I would say very, very rarely now, which is a good thing. Because I had assumed that that would happen more often, which I think is probably why I asked the question, because the way that society is, that people of power that get to a certain point in any industry, there aren't many females there. And so it's good to hear that it's making a difference. When you first started off, do you think that was the case? Because I know that the armed forces and the MED are putting a lot of energy into supporting women in uniform and recruiting women in uniform. And the RF are kind of leading the charge on this. Can you actually see that? Is that actually happening on a day to day? Absolutely. So interestingly, my senior leadership team at Northolt now is entirely female. And that's not, you know, it's not been contrived to make a point that is just a reflection now of the number of absolutely fantastic women the mass of great women that we have coming through in the air force and there have been really great kind of single examples of women who've really achieved fantastic things in their careers in not just the air force but the army and the navy too over the last 10 to 15 years but now i think you're seeing that real kind of 
mass coming through and there are great women popping up all over the place which is good I'm interested to know how as maybe a little girl becoming the boss of a station was that the dream is that like how does a little girl join the air force so I came from a military family both my parents were in the Royal Navy. They left before I was born, but I definitely had what you describe as a military style upbringing, I guess. And a couple of my mum's brothers were in the Air Force as pilots. So I had kind of seen that and thought it was pretty cool. And I watched Top Gun like every child in the 1980s. And so I think after some time in cadets, I've always liked quite structure. So I think it was inevitable I was going to join the military. Flying really appealed to me. And I joined the University Air Squadron when I was at university. As it turned out, flying was not for me, but it was definitely what attracted me to the Air Force in the first place. And I don't think I ever stopped to think about the fact that there wouldn't be many women doing it. It never really occurred to me. And I've never felt consciously in the minority until relatively late on in my career, I would say. So whilst that was always true, it wasn't really a factor for me. And as you say, I think the Air Force is doing really well on this score. And I've never felt that I was held back because of being a woman. You know, things like just practical stuff. The maternity package is really great. And I was able to take a year off with both of our girls when I had them, which meant that when I came back to work full time, I kind of felt ready to put them into nursery and to go back to work where I really personally I wouldn't have done doing that if they were really tiny babies so I've always felt supported and able to kind of carry on in my career and that's been really important to me there have been times and more latterly I think as I got more senior where there are fewer women I have felt not isolated but definitely different at times never judged but certainly I'm conscious of it or have been conscious of it so yeah And do you think that in the rooms where you're conscious of it, other people are too? (laughs) I don't think they're conscious of it at all. And certainly when I've been the only woman in a room, I don't think anyone else has necessarily seen me that way. And if I've mentioned it to sort of male colleagues and friends, they sort of look at me and think, well, you're just Tory and you're getting on and doing your job. So no, I think that's definitely, that's part of that, maybe not imposter syndrome, but certainly that kind of, that female thing of, oh, I'm conscious of it. And I don't think we can ever quite know, can we, whether how much is gender perception and how much is just you as an individual, all of us having different levels of confidence and how we react in different settings. But certainly getting this job and being where I am has been a huge kind of confidence boost. And I think there are a whole number of my brilliant female colleagues who are station commanders at the moment and that has come about through two things one through this more women kind of progressing but also because the senior leadership in the air force took a decision about 18 months two years ago consciously to open up the really kind of competitive command jobs beyond the aircrew fraternity so they had always been the preserve of our pilots and navigators because they had been linked to air safety and that's totally understandable we have changed the model a little bit that means that now anybody can compete for most of those jobs and it's just kind of a fact of life that there tend to be more women in many of our ground branches than our aircrew at the moment and so by dint of doing that you've ended up with more women in those positions and I think just sort of showing that path that it's possible you know, will hopefully kind of inspire those behind us that you can do it. Yes and how you've trodden a path. 
and that they can follow that. And you have two little girls who are, well, you know, very much an Air Force family. If they came to you and they wanted to join the military, or if you had friends, daughters who wanted to join the armed forces, what would be the advice that you gave to them? Work hard to do what you want to do. And absolutely, I think the military is a great career. It's a great career as a woman and we are certainly making it work for family life. And as I say, there are things that when I look at and chat to my friends in civilian jobs that I know that military supports me in ways that they absolutely have not found that support. So, of course, there's disruption. I am an absolute nester by sort of personality type. So moving every two years, I find really tricky. But there are huge benefits. So, yes, there's no way that I would discourage my daughters or my friends' daughters from joining the military you know I think there are huge opportunities and you know, certainly I don't see a glass ceiling for me so for those following behind me the sky's the limit really. And I think that's a real testament to the job you do and the Air Force how you probably from what I'm getting from you don't see yourself as a woman in a high position you see yourself as the station commander and that is your job and that is what you do and there isn't that difference. And I was really aware that I was interviewing you and quizzing you on, on gender politics, basically, and, and quizzing you on the fact that you're a woman in this high position. But I think it's just nice to highlight it and to highlight the fact that this is who you are and it's part of you. But equally, we're getting to a stage where it doesn't matter, which is brilliant. I mean, we're not there yet. We're getting there. We're not there yet. I think I feel the responsibility now to kind of talk to people like you and to be open about my experience and don't get me wrong the juggle and the chaos and whether it's the state of our house or leaving the house in the morning with the right things whether it's me or the children you know everybody's doing that and we are absolutely no different so I wouldn't want to paint this kind of glossy picture of this sort of perfect life we, we, we really don't and if you were in our house at 6 30 every morning you would see that but do you know what it works and I love my job and I absolutely feel that I can get on in my career and I hope be a good mum too which is clearly the most important thing so I think if we don't talk about if I don't talk about those things and people like me then you can't expect people to follow and to think it's possible yeah and the opportunity is missed so we're kind of reaching towards the end but it's been so lovely to talk to you before we go I just want to talk to you about your career and the -hmm. levels that you're at now and maybe not RAF North Holt and the plans for that in the future where do you see that going what are the things that you're going to be pushing maybe it is around gender or maybe it's to do with welfare and families So I am lucky enough to have this job for two years. So I'm three months in and I feel like the clock is ticking already. There are lots of things that I want to do, A, on gender and about being visible and getting us out into the community, actually, and talking to teenage girls, particularly not on a recruiting drive, but to just kind of hopefully ignite that aspiration that you can do things and there are a whole lot of jobs out there that maybe you've not considered and that might work. So there's a lot of stuff that we're hoping to do out into the community in London. There's a lot we want to do on our doorstep in terms of supporting our military family, supporting and facilitating all our family. I cannot stand the word dependent, by the way. And I don't I love the title of the podcast because this idea that our spouses and partners are dependent on the service person, I think is sort of stuck in the 1970s. We need to get away from that. So our military family here at North Holt 
you know, what can I do and what can my team do to enable people who have to move all the time to thrive in their business or at work or with their family? Um, we've got lots of exciting things that we're hoping to do in terms of workspace and networking events and things that we'd like to roll out through next year. So there's lots on the near horizon and I don't know where my career will go. I've never been one to kind of plan the next job. I'm sure there'll be some opportunities as we go forward, but I never expected I'd be sat where I am today. So I'm sure there'll be something unexpected after this. And we will support you at Millspay with all of your things around networking business. Love that. That's what we do. And we're passionate about it and love it because my serving partner is amazing, but I'm much more impressive. So I like to showcase that. And yes, we will definitely be doing that. It sounds very exciting. Do you, <laughs> bit of a random question. Your poor husband, do you ever pull rank? Do you ever just go, look, I am the boss here? <laughs> I don't think that would really work. No, I couldn't do it without his support. So I think I'd get shown the door quite quickly. <laughs> Probably best, probably best. I should uh, learn that for my poor husband. Yes, I, I constantly tell him where he sits in the pecking order, poor chap. It needs to be done sometimes. Keep him on his toes, all this house moving and magnolia walls. So we kind of reached the end, but it's been fab talking to you. And thank you so much for spending time talking to me because I know that you're probably very busy. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, thank you. It's been really lovely to chat to you and really looking forward to working with Millspo over the next year and exploring how we might be able to do some things to help. Great, Toria, Group Captain Toria. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Thanks, Jess. Oh, a huge thank you to Toria for letting me quiz her on all of those gender-related issues. And I think it's really refreshing to hear how she has found serving life and the difference that she's making within the community. Last series, I spoke to the lovely Chris Keane on how life as a military husband is, so it's great to hear the other side, and I think this interview and Chris's interview go so well together, so I'd recommend going and checking out that episode too. So that's all from me for today. Please don't forget to head over to the Millspo social media and follow along with the podcast alongside other stories from the Armed Forces community that I'll be sharing each, each week. So I'll be back soon with another inspirational episode of The Independent Spouse. So I shall see you then.